0: Hey, this is Nick Cree. I'm the CEO and uh, founder of Positive Business Online and uh, the Business Owners Smashing an Online uh, meetup. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to this Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannuzis. <laughs>
1: The purpose of the show is to take our listeners leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today. If we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. It is now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. So team Today, I have a guest here, and his name is Nick Cree from Positive Business Online. So welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks for having me, Dennis. It's uh, good to be here today. Excellent. So Nick is uh, a WordPress web developer and a digital marketing partner who's partnering with businesses looking to embrace online tools, apps, and systems to leverage time and make more money. Previously, Nick was the founder and the CEO of a mortgage broking company, and implementing online strategies to grow it from a local startup to an award-winning national business. He sold it about 10 years ago, and now Nick works with and consults to businesses on how to effectively develop and deploy digital assets to grow and scale. Nick enjoys running Business Owners Smashing It Online and WordPress meetups, and is fueled by copious amounts of coffee and unstoppable enthusiasm for new ideas and projects. So, Nick, an impressive buyer there you uh, had of a career change sort of about 10 years ago. Tell us a little bit more about your background.
0: Uh, well, look, I, uh, yes, I did have a career change, and it's, um, it's been quite interesting. I set up a uh, mortgage-breaking business from scratch, having uh, not come from, come from the banking industry and not knowing uh, much about finance at all and um which was uh, i suppose an advantage and a disadvantage the advantage of it is is that i didn't have any bad habits or didn't carry in any baggage there from uh, you know that sort of industry disadvantage was was that i didn't know that banks would actually pay uh, us to introduce business to them so that took about 3 years to uh, to get through that but the the major advantage of it was that a lot of people that were in the industry at the time came out for you know they, they had very much a how would you call it a finance personality, maybe a lack of personality for some, I mean, I don't want to be rude at all, but you know, there's certain ways of doing things. So, so I'd come into it from the point of view of thinking, okay, let's, I'm not a banker. I'm I'm, I'm not a finance person, but I'm really interested in marketing and I'm interested in this thing called the internet. So really, it was back in 19, when I know 2001, it was I set up the business in 98. But 2001 was when I built a website. And that was when I really got interested in the digital technology. So I I didn't know how to build a website. I remember buying a website, it cost me $10,000. I bought two, $10,000 at the time, and I only to uh, discover that uh, it didn't come with the content, the website, or anything, I actually had to put it all together. I just bought a platform, and so the platform that I paid ten k for back then is something you can get for free these days. Yeah. So, so I, I saying,
1: sorry. So you're saying that the platform that you paid ten thousand dollars for is what you and I can get for free nowadays?
0: Absolutely. Yep. So that's how much things have changed in that space of time. So it's like, what? That's twenty years ago. Wow. But yeah, but you know, I, I um, I'd have to say that uh, it was one of the best ten thousand dollars I'd ever spent, because I dove headlong first into this thing called online marketing and digital marketing. It was not a not a word or a term back then, but you know, I was creating as we went along, and I built that business from a uh, from nothing, from a startup, to uh, selling it uh, ten years later and being uh, awarded in the Mortgage broking of the year uh, awards in my uh, final year, and um, being acknowledged as a uh, as a leader in the industry. And so we've done we've done some things with that uh, business there that no other uh, finance or mortgage broking firms were doing before. And essentially, what it was was bringing ideas and ways of doing things from another industry into the finance industry, and it worked. And, uh, and it really sort of turned things on its head to, to the point that, uh, you know, when I sold that business, then, uh, you know, there are a lot of other mortgage-breaking businesses that, that were starting to do the same sorts of things that, uh, that we'd been doing for years. So, and, and some of those, just to give you an idea, is, you know, we used to run seminars on property investment back then. So, you know, looking at your, your finances and mortgages and, you know, how can you use all that so that you can grow wealth? And it was all geared around uh, superannuation because back then there was no KiwiSaver or superannuation plans at all. And so it was really, you know, sort of for people that were interested in that side of things. And I was interested in it myself. And and so those were that. And and we're, a lot of the online stuff, emails, for instance, we were one of the very first mortgage-breaking firms in New Zealand at the time to email in, uh, loan applications. So before that, they had to be faxed in. And I still remember that to this day. It was, um, we, I emailed it into uh, National Bank. That was the very first time we tried it. Got a call back uh, in about 15 minutes and said, oh, we don't accept uh, email uh, applications. We only accept them by fax. And I remember saying, so what's, what's the difference between an email and a fax? If you print out the email, it's the same sort of paper that comes out of the fax machine. He said, "Oh no, we don't accept it." I said, "Oh well, that's that's okay. Um, I'm just going to fax it. Off, so I so email it off to uh, Westpac." He said, "Well, hang on a sec. Hang on. Let's let's just have a look at this." So, <laughs> so they ended <laughs> up they ended up accepting it, and from then on in, we were emailing applications in, and not long after that, then it started to become the norm, and that was just before the mortgage aggregators came into New Zealand and uh, started to uh, you know band together a lot of mortgage brokers. So uh, I suppose, you know, back in those days, I was uh, interested in in doing new things, trying new things, and uh, I'm, I was quite happy to put my head out there and, you know, on the chopping block and uh, be sort of a leader of the pack, if that's what you call it.
1: Nice, nice, yeah. So leaders tend to do that. So here's a question for you, Nick, and I, I love what you say about your background there and how you did that and were leading from the front. The the question I've got for you is, who's your favourite leader? Now, that person could be alive or they could be from history, so, who is your favourite leader, and why?
0: Well, I, I had to think about that, but I, I would have to say that my favourite leader to this day still is Robin Williams. Mm. So, and and it was uh, it was his role in the Dead Poets Society, where uh, he got. Uh, if you haven't seen the film, he was a uh, he was a teacher, and he was a bit of a a maverick teacher. And he certainly didn't go along with the flow. He did things differently. And his whole concept was to get people to see the world in a different way and to think differently and not to go along with the flow and not just to accept common opinion and common ideas as truth. And I remember there was a scene in that movie where he uh, got the uh, kids, first of all, to rip out the preface of the book there, which had the uh, comments from a uh, prestigious person who was talking about how good the book was and, and but it really had all their opinions on how to read it says just rip that out don't even read it just rip it out throw it away and then the next thing he got people to do the kids to do was to stand on the desk the purpose of standing on the desk he got them to look at the room and he said now how does this look? And it was it was uh, getting them to look from a different perspective that they wouldn't normally see things from. So standing on the desk is frowned upon. It's not the sort sort of behaviour you expect in a public or private school, but uh, you got them to do it to break the rules. And when you break the rules, you um, you realise that the rules are not. Actually, there for any other purpose but to be a rule, and then to break them has got no devastating consequences. But it has got a real upside, and you get to see things that other people don't see. So yes, right, Robin Williams, I think is is the, my favourite leader. I mean, he obviously went on and, and did Good Morning Vietnam as well too, which was a, you know, another movie about Vietnam, and the message in there was uh, was good too. So I mean, it's it's a fictional character that he was playing. But the way he, put, he uh, put his energy into it, I think, was just uh, fantastic.
1: Yeah, I love that story. You talk about how he got people to to break the rules by standing on the desk and doing something different, but then being able to see things. The impact was they could see a different perspective. And and I think sometimes that's what stops a lot of people is that they are stuck in their ways or they do certain things, but they don't always see a different perspective. And being having someone to come along and facilitate that, to help that along. That's, that's really, really quite, that's, you no. Know, I was going to use the word precious. That's pretty special mm. when you can find someone like that to help people see a different perspective, for sure.
0: Well, I think so, also that, uh, you know, the, thing, the the way things are doesn't necessarily mean that's the best way things should be. And it really takes people with uh, some courage, conviction, or or someone to lead the way to, uh, you know, get people to see things from a different perspective. And I see it all the time on social media, like I spend my life on social media because you know I'm in digital marketing so you know always on Facebook LinkedIn Instagram but you see a lot of the time people are either for things or they're against things and then when you when you ask for a reasoned comment or reason why they have that position Not many can really articulate it. So the only reason why they're for something or against something is that's what they believe. And when you know, where is that belief come from? Well, it's come from somewhere, but it's not something that's been formed, you know, in their own brains or from their own experience. It's just something they've inherited. So I think that uh, today, more than ever, we need more people to actually question the status quo. Question: Are these beliefs that we've got are they valid? Is there any real substance to it? And then maybe there is, and that's okay. But at least I think the the whole point of questioning things uh, is the most critical thing that uh, people could do today.
1: Yeah, that's great. And, and you know, um, questioning it, but also from your perspective, where, how does it affect you and what are, you know, what are your values and where does it come uh, or where does it sit with you is really, really important for, for everybody too. So going along the lines that you've just been talking about, uh, if I was to say to you, leadership is changing. Well, what does that mean for you? Well,
0: today, what an interesting time to um, <laughs> to be thinking about uh, you know what leadership is today. I mean, here we are in a world that has gone absolutely nuts. Uh, you know, whether we like it or not, whether we think it's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, here we are locked away in homes. I think it's a bit better for you guys in New Zealand at the moment because uh, you're out of lockdown. You just can't leave and come into the country. But in such a short space of time, the leaders of our world have have shut down businesses they've shut down economies, they've shut down the borders, they've sent everybody home and they've enforced that. I mean, I'm someone who's worked from home uh, with my uh, web development business for the past 11 years. But even I'm getting stir crazy uh, at home, but have to think, you know, so how do these decisions get made? Who's actually in charge? And what's more, uh, what astounded me was the uh, the number of people, the population, that just consented to the decisions and just followed along. Uh, and and look, I'm not saying that uh, you know they should do that or shouldn't do that. It was just an observation about you know how all this uh, came about. So what that's what that says to me is that uh, we've got a a lot of our society and and even business owners uh, and and business leaders are people that tend to accept the status quo and accept accept what authority says. And I didn't hear too much questioning about it, apart from some rants and things that are on uh, Facebook and social media, but not a lot of engaged discussion about, uh, you know, where we could be going or where we, where we should be going. There are leaders out there who are sort of out front. So um, uh, so Jacinta Ahern, for instance, she, she, she's someone that's a visible leader that's out front and I think doing some some good things as well. But who who else is actually leading in there? Who who else have we got in there that uh, has a voice as well? Where where is the debate? And I think Rowan Atkinson really sums it up the best. And he did he had a uh, lecture at uh, um, uh, in somewhere in England. I think it was a school in England, and it happened to be about was it racism? Oh, it was some. I can't remember the context of it. Uh, but it was all about the fact that people were, were, or political correctness, I think it was, people were told told to be quiet. They had to toe the line. If they didn't, they were being politically uh, incorrect. And then there was a whole discussion about censoring media in terms of what, what people could say online and what people could say in the, in the newspapers and on, on uh, and Facebook. This is around the Cambridge Analytical time when Facebook had, had its problems. And look, there, there's definitely some, some bad stuff that was said and not great stuff that were that was said there. But his point was, is you don't deal with that by uh, shutting down the conversation. You deal with it by having more dialogue and having more discussion. Now, some of the discussion is going to be quite polarising and you're going to violently disagree with it, and not like it. That's someone's point of view, and that's their their discussion. If you take away people's right to um, uh, express that view, then you're also taking away the uh, the people's right on the other side of things to e- view an equally passionate view about things as well too. So leadership's changing. I think part of the change that we need to have is really to have people engage in discussion and engage in in dialogue, so that um, you know we're we're able to get one people thinking for themselves again, people making decisions that are based on their interpretation of, uh, you know, what's good for them and what's good for society um, rather than just, just, you know, accepting what's been given to them. And I think if we do that too, like in a workplace... We get far more engaged employees. Hmm. We get people that are uh, more, more than likely going to take their initiative. You're probably going to get a lot more mistakes, but out of those mistakes too, there are going to be a whole lot more learnings. And some of the best discoveries in the world have come out of people's mistakes. So I think, you know, not having that, we actually limit what we can do in business But having leaders that that allow that sort of discussion, allow the dialogue, and and really allow people to express themselves, I think is going to propel us forward a lot faster than people towing the line.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, good, good, good points there. So this is Nick Cree, who's joined me today on the podcast, the the Leadership is Changing show. And uh, Nick, I've got another question for you. And, and it's probably related to probably your career before and now, but also now, and I, I'm not sure whether you've got much of a team. I think you have, maybe a virtual hmm. team. But how has your business or industry changed? And what demand has that put on you or your leadership team? Uh, Yes,
0: I've got a, um, a, you know, a reasonable team. So I've got, there's seven of us in my business. I'm the only one that lives in Australia. So I'm based in Gold Coast in Australia. All the rest of them uh, live in the Philippines from uh, right down south uh, in Davao, all the way up to Cebu, and then uh, an island, uh, Cadiz, which is north of uh, Cebu. So, So I've got a virtual team. And interestingly enough, we talk uh, every day. So uh, we're, we're on um, line with each other in the morning, in the evening, during the day. And the best thing, the absolute best thing that I ever did with the uh, team, well, there's two things. First thing was to go to the Philippines and uh, spend a couple of weeks there, have a meal with them, go out to dinner, uh, you know, so sort of meet their families and then uh, engage them in the business. And, uh, you know, Share my vision with them, but also find out what they wanted and what their vision was as well too. That was a fundamental shift in um, in that sort of team environment as well. So now they were a lot more engaged as opposed to just working for me. We were all working together for the common interest of the uh, business and our clients. The second thing that had a, had a um, massive impact, we uh, did the uh, Roger Hamilton Wealth Dynamics personality profile so it's a personality profile that where you serve sort of, uh, gets sort it's of a rating and a score as to you know how how creative you are you know whether you, you're uh, someone that likes to be in the limelight someone that likes to be in the back room that sort of thing so um i think i went through it a little bit timidly thinking oh well we'll do that because the boss has said we've got to do it <laughs> but then we all came back in and, and did a uh, team debrief on zoom and so we're all up on the screen there and the uh, facilitator was uh, doing the debrief. And I remember one of the questions was uh, to my, um, my general VA. So she's, the one, she's my personal assistant that really looks after my uh, interests in the uh, business and makes sure that I do the things I'm supposed to do and picks up areas where I forget. And I remember the facilitator saying, so uh, what's it like to work with Nick? And uh, there was a bit of silence. And uh, Julie said, the facilitator said, no, no, it's all right. Um, th- this is an environment where we can actually say, what it's really like to work with that. And uh, so she piped up and she said, oh, he's a bit forgetful sometimes. He for, he forgets some things that, he's, um, that he says he's going to do or that I ask him to do. And he's got these ideas that um, sometimes they don't go anywhere. It's a bit frustrating, you know, when we've got that and, um, and nothing happens. And so the facilitator said, you know, that's exactly the sort of person that is a star creator profile, which is what I am, They're people that typically lead businesses. They've got lots of ideas and they do forget things because, uh, you know, they're on one idea and then another idea comes along and they're onto that one there and then another one comes along. And that first idea they thought of is well back in in their mind. It's not that it's not important anymore. It's just that there's other things that uh, are sort of uh, right in front of them at the moment. So uh, the facilitator said to to Lorena, who's my VA, said, um, and she's a, I think she's an accumulator, which is, the, is with the opposite scale of me. And she said, that's why he needs you there because you don't, pick, you don't forget things. You pick up the detail. You want to follow things through. You want to get things done and finished and completed. So your part of this equation is to make sure that when these ideas come in, you, you take it through to the finish line. And I remember her looking there thinking, ah, mm. I understand that now. So for her and for me, but for her she sort of felt it, it really brought her into the team to think, I have got a significant role to play here. If I don't play my part here, then things don't get done. The business suffers, clients suffer, and, you know, we really don't get to uh, fulfil the vision of the, of the business here. Your role as my boss is to come up with these ideas to make sure that I've got a job and got some things to finish here to make sure that we uh, carry forward. And so she would never get into um, a, a podcast like this. She hates being up on screen. Uh, she doesn't like talking in public but uh, she's quite happy for me to do that and she does everything she can to make sure I get out and and do that sort of thing because she knows that's where my my where, where I shine and she knows for her if she can make that happen then she's successful as well too so i think you know in terms of business i think you know if businesses can really start to have their people understand what their strengths are in the business, not necessarily their weaknesses, but their strengths are, so then they can see where they complement, uh, you know, other people that are in the business and working together cohesively as a team. So that, that, that's been the biggest impact that I've had with, uh, you know, working virtually.
1: Yeah, understand your team members and get them to understand you as the leader as well, and how you all can work best together to have the best impact for the business outcomes and team engagement. I mean, that's, that's that's where it's at. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's really cool that you got to do that with them in relation to it. But I also like the fact that you actually got together with them and, and met them in, in person as well and took them out to dinner and got to know what they are, sort of the, their motivations as well. Because it's not just always about the leader, it has to be about the team and what they are wanting to do and where they want to go as well. Well, it's, it's
0: like, you know, when we have an office,
1: uh, you know, over here, you know, people come in,
0: you have chats around, you know, have a cup of coffee, you know, you're in the tea room, it's like, you know, you see each other and pass each other in the hallways. What's the equivalent of that, uh, you know, when you when your team's virtual and across the globe? Well, you know, you've got Skype and Zoom and you can have those conversations. But, but um, nothing beats going out and having a beer with your colleagues. So nothing beats going out and uh, going to visit the country that they live in and uh, having that same experience as well, too.
1: Hey, Nick, if there was one thing that you could change in business as a leader today, what, what would it be?
0: One thing to change, I, I think it would be, it, it's all around empowering people in business. One of the things I get to see in business all the time uh, as a digital marketer and working on in the digital space with them is that uh, there's a couple of groups of businesses. One is the sole trader, the one that's passionate about their idea. No one can do things uh, better than they can. And, in fact, they don't even want to let go of doing some of the things that they do so well that, um, you know, someone else. And so while it's well and good uh, having such attention to, uh, you know, say quality and detail and, and wouldn't want, you know, to lose that there, What it does do is it does limit the business in terms of how many people it can serve and how much it can actually grow. So, you know, if it's just one person, it's only so much that can be done. And usually what happens with that too is that they start dropping the ball and the very thing that they don't want to have happen, like compromising on quality and experience and that sort of thing. That gets compromised because they get too busy to be able to pay enough attention to it and they're just juggling too many balls. Um, The other side of things are businesses that uh, have got a leader in the business who empower people or their team or their staff to take responsibility and to own their uh, area uh, in the business. So those businesses can pretty much infinitely uh, scale up because you know so people can manage a small area of the business and a specialty in the business but it's very rare for someone to be able to manage the entire uh, business and because I work a lot with small businesses as well too I think that uh, the real challenge is getting small business owners once they get to that threshold where they're really busy and and the biz- business is successful but they can't Grow any further is to get them over that barrier of themselves as being the best person there to to do the job, and actually hunt down and look for people that uh, can do things. Uh, one, at least eighty percent as good as they can, because generally eighty percent is usually you know pretty pretty good. But secondly, to go and find people that can do things better than they can, and I know that that's that that's been my experience. Like I'm a uh, web coder, I'm a self-taught web coder. You know, I learned a lot. You know, I think I'm pretty good at it. And my trip to the uh, Philippines, you know, when I visited the uh, developers that I've got over there, we jumped on a computer and we were doing some stuff on the computer. And I thought, oh, geez, this guy, he's pretty good. He he sort of knows his stuff and he actually knows a bit more than I do. (laughs) So so for me, that gave me sort of a a whole lot more confidence that why am I mucking around, uh, you know, in this area here when I've got some team members here that love this stuff. They do it much better than I do. They may need some guidance in terms of uh, you know how they do things and why they're doing things. But, you know, if they're given the right guidance, then, uh, you know, th- they will become exceptional. And I think sort of leadership in business is really about um, sort of uh, giving people guidance to become exceptional. And if you can do that, then uh, there's no limits to uh, where your business can go. I'm Not quite there yet. You know, I've still got a long way to go with it all. Um, but, th- but I was talking to someone the other day, you know, the challenge of it is is that, you know, I've got seven people in my business I could not do. What we do in business today, if it was just me. So what's happened with me is that now I've got another level of things that I think I'm pretty good at, and I don't want to let go. So now my challenge there is this, is to let go of those areas, get get some other people to step in. So so part of what I'm looking for now is a, is an operations manager, you know, someone involved in the sales side of things, so that I can step back from that and then look at well, you know, leading the company in a bigger direction and so you know with a, it with a, with a bigger vision fulfill that vision and uh, then have a bigger vision and then sort of go out and, and achieve that you, you never really get what you want because there's always something more and i think you need to be after that uh, something more
1: yeah yeah and you know let, letting go is a big one right so to let people come in and let them fly and what they're really good as uh, a, a good at and step back as a leader and get on with what you're really good at will actually help your business go to another level And that scaling piece is a piece where people are not sure, should I let go? I've worked really hard to get here. Can I trust the people? But if you could step back and allow them to do what they're good at, just imagine where it could go for sure. And I I think along with that too, probably the harder thing
0: is acknowledging what your weaknesses are where you're not strong and those areas in your personality and work habits that you don't really want people to see you know, you sort of hide those sort of areas, is that actually handing those areas over to someone else to and and really acknowledge, hey, look, I'd love to be good, you know, in this area here. I know that I'm not. Just because I'm not doesn't mean I'm a poor leader or a poor person or, you know, a bad person. It's just that I have strengths that are over in this particular area here. If you're able to help me in um, the areas that I'm you know, weakest in and don't really excel in, then I can spend more time in the uh, other areas that I really love and really enjoy. And I know you like this, this sort of stuff anyway. So I think so doing that is a a powerful thing as well, too. Uh, And probably more so than hanging on to the or or letting go of the things you really love, letting go of the things that you want to hide, I think is the most important thing.
1: Yeah, nice. And this might be a good segue into the next question here, because it could be related to it a little bit. And maybe it's related to the VA that you talked about too, which is, how has the employee expectations of leaders changed?
0: I think it's changed significantly. I think when I first got a job, the boss was supreme. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whatever the boss said, that that was uh, that was gospel. That was the word, and and you did it. And and look, to some extent, uh, working in the, um, you know with an outsourced team in the Philippines, that's the attitude over there, is that uh, you know whatever the boss says goes. And I often have a joke about that uh, with the team, and uh, you know sometimes I'll come back and say uh, oh, I said what would I say? Oh, I said I, I'm always right, aren't I? And uh, they come back and say, well, yeah, you're the boss. <laughs> they say <tongue-y> <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. but uh, but 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 there is still that there. And I think employee expectation expectations, I think maybe we need to change some employee expectations. There's two things that are happening. You've got the Gen Ys and Gen Zs all coming through that are their own people and they're going to do their own thing anyway. And then you've got us uh, poor Gen Xs and, and before who sort of uh, maybe sort of struggle with that uh, fluidity and flexibility that uh, they seem to have jumping from one thing to another thing. I think these days, Giving people options to be able to choose what they want to do in the business and their and their work life, I think, is really important, particularly younger people, and, and even for older people as well, too. You know, like I meet people that, you know, my age, I'm 55, you know, there's people serve 60, friends of mine, 65, 70 even, that are, that are still working and still active in business. And at both ends of the equation, I I hear that, you know, no one's going to employ me because I'm too young or because I'm too old. No one's going to employ me because I I don't have enough skills in this area or or I'm too skilled. So, you know, there's there's always this thing about, uh, you know, I'm not quite right. Uh, So somewhere in that sort of equation is uh, that, in fact, you're the Goldilocks. You are just right. And you just need to sort of find the place that you're just right for and sometimes you've got to carve out that niche as an employee and as an employer you have to allow people to carve that niche out as well too knowing that hey, it's not going to be plain sailing all the time sometimes they're going to really annoy you it's going to be a frustrating experience but if you look at the big picture at the end of the day and think well what's the objective you know that we're trying to achieve is this really a major thing or is it just a little hurdle uh, along the way uh you know can we provide some more uh, training or guidance to 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 help people to either with their understanding, because often it's an understanding issue. And probably more than that, it's about helping people to get what they want but also helping uh, your you know your employees to understand that uh, the way they get what they want is by understanding what other people want and helping them to get what uh, what they want i mean as i get older i get grumpier and less uh, flexible about these sort of things so when i was younger i was probably that that person that uh, really frustrated my uh, my bosses I am the boss now <laughs> and, I, and I get frustrated by people that are, don't do things my way. So, right. um, you know, and look, it's all mindset as well too. It's mindset and habits. You know, we've got to change habits, change our mindsets. My partner tells me that uh, I am the most inflexible person she knows. I hate change. You know, why don't I just do some things differently? And I say, well, look, I'm actually really comfortable with what I've got right now. Why do I want to change? <laughs> but you know being comfortable you know it's good that's what we sort of aspire to but it's not some not always the best place to be and uh, change is some sometimes something that's uh, forced upon us so at the moment we're, we're in the time of incredible change it's not the change that's the problem but it's our response to the change leadership in business and, and employees expectations is being able to lead people through the change and how they respond to
1: the change in a in a positive way Excellent, yeah. And, you know, outside of our comfort zone, that's where the magic happens and that's where it's it's amazing what people can do if we allow them to do it or even if we our, our own mindset allows us to get on there and do that as well. So it's really quite interesting. So what well, makes...
0: Go on. Oh. I was just going to add one more thing there and, uh, and I was speaking to someone else the other day who was interested about my business name being called Positive Business Online. And uh, she said, I like positive stuff. And I said, well... One of, the, one of the things to understand and remember is being positive is not the same as being happy. We may not be happy <laughs> with the change, but being positive means that we're taking steps in a direction that, that uh, is going to keep us going forward. So we can be uncomfortable, stressed, frustrated, maybe unhappy in the, in the whole process. But as long as we're positive and keep a positive approach, that's really the, um, the job that we have. And that's really the job of our leaders today is to, is to keep being positive. Not happy,
1: positive. Excellent. I'm here with Nick Cree uh, on the Leadership is Changing show today. And Nick, I've got a couple more questions for you as we bring it to a close. And that is, what makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world?
0: Oh, I think I just answered that, didn't I? (laughs) That's that's the key positive. (laughs) I I think that being the person I think that is a thinker, doesn't accept the status quo, really questions uh, decisions that are being made, questions what's happening, the way things that have always been, questions that, and uh, and even goes and bucks the trend. Not in a, um, necessarily in a, uh, disruptive way, but definitely in a disruptive way. So some of the best changes in the world have been uh, disruptions. So it's not disrupting for the sake of being antagonistic or just doing things your own way, but being disruptive in a way that is looking for another way through or, or, or another way forward or um, another experience as well. And I think some of the great leaders of the world uh, have done that. You know, Robin Williams, you know, being one of the people that I like as a leader, he was disruptive. And you look at his films, they they were disruptive. Another one is Mr. Bean. Yeah, Ron Atkinson. <laughs> you know, he—he he, he was the stupid guy that has made millions of dollars being stupid. Now, you know, that's disruptive to the whole uh, acting industry. But he's—he's he's one of the cleverest guys around, in, in the industry as well, too. And then, you know, you look at some of the uh, other examples too, that are more common ones, like Richard Branson. You know, he was a disruptive person when he set up his airline. That was a a, a disruptive element in in business. So I think that the the process of you know, looking at the way things are and thinking about the way things could be, I think is probably, you know, the the most important thing you can do. Not, not everyone's like that. I think, you know, when I look at it, some, some of my friends in business, people that uh, don't look at changing things, but they look at how things are at the moment and how they can improve it. But that's another disruptive thing as well, too. It's another way of, of affecting uh, change. Because one of the things that is constant here is change. And whether we like it or not, it's not whether we create the change, it's going to happen to us anyway, but it's how we cope with it, how we respond to it and how we change in, um, you know as that's happening as well.
1: Excellent excellent so I, I might have asked us you know when you're as a mortgage broker years ago with interest rates and things like that so if you can get your crystal ball out and start thinking about well, where do you see leadership being in five years
0: yeah look I think we're in for a ton of change over the next five years in fact over the past five months we've had a huge amount of change you look at where, where you know where we are now you know so if, you know our CBDs are now in our homes. So uh, you know, mm-hmm. so massive change there to form a habit. What do they say? The um, three weeks or whatever it is of uh, consistent twenty-one days. Twenty-one days of consistently doing something to change a habit and uh, you know to change a habit or, or to form a habit. So now we've we've been in an environment now where we've got over ninety days of uh, doing things at home and business. Uh, so do we think that uh, you know? Once the uh, politicians decide we can all go back outside again and play, that it's all going to go back to normal? I don't think so because, you know, people might go back to their offices, but I can tell you the people are at home now shopping at home. So uh, the increase in online shopping has just gone through the roof. So for me, being in digital, the digital space, it's been an absolute boom for us. Like We, we had our best month ever last month. In the 11 years that I've been in business over here in Australia, we had our best month ever last month. And this is during the COVID pandemic. But it really is is all around the fact that, uh, you know, people have have changed what they do to be more online. Look at our communication, a lot more online communication. I wished I'd invested in uh, sort of shares like in Zoom or uh, Squadcast, you know, and people are shopping online uh, now as well, too. What's what's happening with travel? I'll be interested to see what happens with the travel industry over the uh, next five years as well, too, particularly in the area of cruising. So, you know, close contact travel, what's going to happen there? What's going to be the disruption there? I think over the next five years, I think uh, leaders are going to be people that are looking at um, how people feel and how they respond, what their change of uh, habits have been, and the ones that are going to really succeed are going to be be the people there that uh, understand the psychology of people today and how it's changed just in three months. Uh, and I think you know this is with us now for the uh, for the next five years and I think we'll find a whole lot more businesses will be um, embracing the online space and be interesting to see the sorts of businesses that come through and uh, flourish through that as well too
1: yeah I just think it's uh it's times like this is where you see the innovation where you see new businesses are born this is where you see a lot of people stand up as leaders and go out and do things that uh They may have wanted to do in the past but never did it, but this sort of forces people to get out there and change their mindset and move forward as well. So, Nick, hey, look, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Uh, Look, the
0: best place to uh, get hold of me is uh, at my website, which is positivebusinessonline.com. Yeah, feel free to uh, reach out there. My uh, email's there, all of our social media's there, so you can go and stalk me and find me around the web. I'm all over the place. (laughs) In fact, you could probably just Google my name and you'll find me.
1: Yeah, excellent. So yeah, he is all over the place and around social media. So check him out. That's Nick Krieg. And so thank you for being on the on the show today, Nick. So what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. And, and Nick just talked about that just before and mentioned that change is constant and happening all the time. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being published and please listen and put a review and a rating. And if there's some feedback that you'd like to give me back on the show and and what we can do, and if there's a question you might want me to ask some of our guests going forward, then feel free to send me an email at uh, dennis at com, and uh, we can set up a 15-minute call to have a chat. So thanks for tuning in today and we'll see you soon.